Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Talk show. I got me a date with some of the motocrosses up around the way. Your source for weekly updates on what's happening in the world of motorcycle racing. You know how fast you're going? Industry news, trends, the people involved. I'm Ricky Carmichael. This is Kevin Schwartz. This is Josh Schwartz. This is Kelly Smith. This is Travis Latron. This is Jeremy McGrath. And now, Pit Pass Radio. Hello again, everybody. It's our first mic check live from the Iowa State <laughs> Fair, the 2018 Iowa State Fair. And Jack, you're going to have to walk us through this because we, uh, we've not been on the air with the, the mics wide open so you, you guys to, you guys sound really good really you sound it's amazing yeah. you should see how we look no it's uh, it's raining out at the iowa state fair we're at the cattleman's beef quarters and uh, for the first time last year if you recall the year before that we were live at the crystal studios but crystal studios are being used by uh, our sister station doing uh, special programming from seven to nine yep and it's it's a it's like a review of what happened that day at the fair and obviously, what we do does not need to be reviewed um, because we <laughs> we are the review. We, <laughs> Truth. We could we 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 so could have done something. By the way, I have it on firm authority. I talked to Gary Slater on my Saturday show, and Gary said that the plans are well underway for a new racetrack here at the fairgrounds. Is this true? Yep. That sounds wonderful. Man, yeah. I tell you what, I, it. it uh, I hope they consult said that some now people. For the last four years. Okay, so. yeah, that's what I was thinking. But I, if they consult somebody besides a car guy, and they and they have some motorcycle guys, maybe yeah. somebody like a Chris Carr could well, come in because what a venue to have. It's like what, oh, what, do, you, what do you call those banked uh, the bank turns? And they're called bank turns. I think okay. they call them in, in layman's terms <laughs> banked turns. Otherwise, a professional like a expert would call it like a banked turn. Okay. <laughs> So, anyway, it's going to be a smaller track than it was, uh-huh. okay? And the turns will be uh, banked. As uh, you, like as a 3 8 or, or what? So, it would be about 3 8, three eight mile. Yeah, so maybe not a flat track race. But, but uh, No, but what they're going to do is uh, maybe, you know. There will be a portion they of run the track which will be flat. Yeah, so uh, a portion like of the 3 8. Yeah, so, uh, you know, people just love to jump in on the show even without a microphone. Um, so, do up on the program. We're very, very pleased to have you join us live from the Cattlemen's Beef Quarters. Uh, PJ Duran, Scott Casper, Tony uh, Wink with us uh, on the program. And, Tony, this has been really a perfect... You're out here every day of the fair. I am uh, I am the Iowa State Fair. They should do a commercial uh, for ridiculous people and to, to attract other ridiculous people. And I should be the star because I, um, you know, I, I, got, I got a really nice camper this year. Yeah. And... You know, camping up on the hill—that's for other people. I consider them suckers because that's a huge hill you got to climb. Me, I'm right outside Gate Eight here, on uh, some Eastsiders sure. house, and um, plugged into the garage. And I'm telling you what—it is the only living large. Only, and I've gained seven pounds actually in six days. Just by walking across that street. Oh man, I just love it. I have the pickled dog. I have the the beer tin. I have, you know, the 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 thing that gets me every year is. At the end of the thing, I'm like, I need to go back to not State Fair Tony. I need to go back to just regular Tony, which is also kind of a, a, a letdown, ha- ha- handful. 
but I always have beer tickets in my pocket, in my in my wallet. Uh, so I'm, it is my goal to spend all my beer tickets. Because what you do is you overbuy. Every <laughs> and then it's motivation event. to use all of them. He's I'm not going to leave anything on the table. All right, so this is our State Fair special, guys. And um, when we talk about the State Fair, we often think about flat track. You bet. All right. And uh, a lot of there was some there's some good racing over the years out here. There, there's been some great racing lately as well. Um, what American Flat Track has done is uh, it's it's almost like a shot of adrenaline. Okay. Absolutely. And uh, I've, I've just let me read this, Tony. Uh, seven titles, 78 wins, most ever podiums, most ever podium finishes. It's a grand slammer. He won at least nine races in each discipline. Our next guest went uh, road racing in the prime of his career on dirt. Imagine how many wings, how many wins rather, how many titles between Parker and Carr. I mean, it's, if they hadn't raced together, I know I mean, it'd have been just. But they love each other. They have an appreciation for each other. Let's go to Chris Carr. He's our first guest on the show. Chris, it's always good to talk to you, brother. Thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, there's just one thing. I don't know that I really love Scott Parker. <laughs> I was, gonna, I was <laughs> just going to say that. I'm not so sure, but I'll let him announce. I'll let him make that announcement. <laughs> no, Scott I, didn't, and, uh, I didn't hear it. I chose made not to each hear. other uh, race a lot harder around the racetrack through the years. I'm going to I'm going to make some uh, slight adjustments here. Uh, Jack, please turn him up and oh. we'll, and we'll oh. turn our mics down, okay? All right. Thank there you. you go. Thank you. Uh, Chris, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. Uh, busy as uh, my new, uh, my, well, it's not new anymore. Been here a little over almost two seasons now as uh, the chief competition officer at American Flat Track, and uh, it's been a pretty steep learning curve. You know, it's the first real job I've ever had, and uh, uh, it's uh, it's been a challenge, but it's been a lot of fun too to see uh, to be a part of the the. the the rebirth of uh, American Flat Track. And that's what it is. It's a rebirth, and uh, we we're talking about that earlier, me and a couple other guys, in what you guys have been able to accomplish in a few short years. Uh, flat Track is not just back. It seems like it's regaining its popularity and momentum. I was talking to Dale Jones today, Chris, and, and uh, he, you know, he's, we have a Davenport event coming up. It's 30-year anniversary this year, and it's an event I took over last year, and and uh, we were talking about just, uh, you know, just fly track in general and the health of it. And, and uh, I know in pockets it's it's flat and in, in other regions it's it's really good. But, I mean, you guys actually turned people away this year. Too many fans. I've never even heard of that at a flat track event. Is that true? Uh, that was an unfortunate uh, challenge that we had. I believe it was at the week sport short track. You know, we had been in that region for the last couple of years at Rolling Field Speedway, uh, you know, not four miles away from uh, from Wheatsport. And, and Wheatsport had undergone kind of a transfer, transformation um, track that I went through in the 80s and uh, didn't really think a whole lot of it. But uh, last year we uh, went by and visited the venue and they had just dumped uh, several million uh, worth of dollars into New grandstands, uh, a really great area, uh, vendor area uh, for the for the spectators. Um, cleaned up the racetrack, uh, brought in LED digital lighting, and we were like, "Why aren't we here?" And mm. well, this year we were, and uh, we're awesome. putting about about three thousand people in the in the rolling wheels track to 
uh, over 5,200 at uh, at Wheat Sport just down the road, and we just flat ran out of ran out of room. We had to beg our paddock members to get out of the the paddock we could, we could bring in more general admission. Holy smokes! We stuffed every person we could. That's awesome. Good, that's a good problem to have. That's a really good problem to have, and and uh, you know the 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 twins hasn't been as exciting as uh, years past, but the singles, man, that's that that race has been good every single week. Well, the cool thing about singles is that we've had so many different winners. You know, we had, uh, you know, uh, one of the more well-rounded crossover athletes in, in, in a lot of years with significant off-road background of Ryan Sipes to uh, get, uh, get a win in his only his second uh, AFT event, albeit both of them were TTs, and he's certainly good with the front break, but, uh, <laughs> you know, we have, what, nine different winners so far this year. Uh, it's, been, uh, it's been pretty impressive and very competitive, and uh, uh, it's, uh, it's it's good to watch. We've got a, we've got a, a real strong contingent of singles riders, that some of which may very well be stars in the future in the Twins class. And with, uh, with Peoria right around the corner, are we going to see uh, Mr. Wiles' continued domination of that venue? I mean, he's... He's been trying to keep Jared honest this year, but he's only got really, 110 points to come up with. <laughs> yeah, it, but it's that's his race, or so it seems for oh, yeah. quite a while now. Well, you know, Henry's. I think a lot of depend on uh, how Henry feels walking down the hill the morning of the race. You know, uh, uh, if he goes in there with the attitude that he's had personally the last, you know, 13, 14 years, I don't see anybody beating him. Um, yeah. If he goes down the hill and has a little bit of a shred of doubt as to whether he can continue on um, uh, winning that event, then uh, he can be beat. And uh, it's more up to Henry Wiles than it is anybody else. Chris. How he walks down that hill. Because I've lived that. I know what that feels like. Yeah, you, you are literally the only other person who can, can honestly say that. Uh, with, uh, with Peoria coming last year, it was a a somewhat different track because of the the way that the racing was set up. Have you? I mean, is it going to be similar? Are we going to recognize last year's track to this track? Or you know, we certainly interviewed plenty of racers after the fact, and they said, "Yeah, I, c- I could go with a little more jump." Uh, you know, they said that was. What we they also saw to see. half the bikes falling apart. Yeah, we did uh, see half the bikes. They're dropping parts. We were there watching live. Right. Well, I think I think uh, we certainly stretched the boundaries of some of the fields for the motorcycles. Um, you know, the idea that uh, the jump now is at a slower speed; it's under under acceleration rather than deceleration. It has a little bit to do with it, and they're hitting it much more straight, uh, at least the first half of it. And then the second half of it, you know, is uh, is more of a bit of a roller. It's a timing section, and uh, the idea of uh, you know jumping. 325-pound twin-cylinder motorcycles with an apex to the midair. Um, uh, we, we felt it was important for AFT that a guy could go out and race the same motorcycle at the Peoria TT as he would the Springfield Mile down the road. And uh, we believe we accomplished that um, with the changes in the Peoria TT. And uh, it didn't seem to turn anybody away last year. It was Maybe. one of their best crowds in the last 10 years. Maybe we need Pastrana to show up and show him how to do it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. I think I think Travis might have his uh, hands full. Of, 
If 450 class, I think he'd be real competitive. Twin class is a different animal. I know. I'm yeah. just teasing because no. he jumped that bike. Absolutely. And and I think the racing was great last year in all classes. Uh, at Peoria. Yeah, at Peoria. Yeah, it, was, it, was awesome. it was incredible racing. And, yeah, unfortunately, there were some guys finding uh, faults with their setup, though. There were. <laughs> what was there going was off some, a Halbert's bike? There was some around debris. The corner. I can't remember. What? Yeah, there was a couple guys yeah. that got foot pegs dropped. Oh yeah, it was, it was Sammy. Yeah. He was he was missing his right foot peg. And so Chris, back to the Henry Wiles thing. Do you think that that's gonna some of the rules changes might affect how he performs this year, or do you think it's uh, do you it think it's kind of last year? It didn't affect him last year at all. <laughs> no, it didn't. You know, it didn't. Uh, uh, I mean, he, he showed up at at, uh, at Peoria and, and rode his twin as if he was on a 450. I mean, he, he looked like the same Henry Wilde. Yeah. I don't I don't I don't know that um, uh, that's going to be any different. Um, the reality is is how he feels coming down the hill, and uh, Henry. Uh, has not slowed down. It hasn't shown any signs of slowing down, specifically in the areas of PP racing. He had a little bit of bad luck at the Buffalo Chip, uh, uh, trying to make room where there wasn't, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, had a real good, solid comeback. Uh, he was competitive at Daytona, didn't get a great start, and uh, by the time he got the third, the leaders were checked out. And, uh, you know, Henry, Henry has won a lot of races at Peoria, um, because he comes in with a game plan. He comes in knowing that he needs to get good start, get out front, and set a pace that nobody can match. And he's done that at the majority of the events that he's won. And uh, if if he keeps that mindset, I don't see any reason why he can't win three, four, or five more. Chris, Chris, I'm, I just kind of have a little ad-lib to, to my question. Do you think some of the rule changes, though, have been kind of directed towards Henry and maybe trying to end his dominance and maybe try to level the playing field for other riders? Not at all. No? We can't, okay. We can't, we can't make rule changes in the sport uh, to affect one rider at one event. That's not how we operate. The only, the only thing that, uh, that you can maybe point a finger at in recent years that can have some sort of effect is cosmetics. And uh, uh, the changes that uh, that came about for 2018 that are, are geared towards what Henry wrote in the back in the past was that we wanted a twin cylinder motorcycle to be more traditional appearance of a of a flat track motorcycle uh, in the in the twin class. Um, last year, it looked like a, a, the motorcycle had the appearance of a of a twin stuffed in a 450 frame. Even though we knew that it wasn't, that that was the appearance of it, and uh, it's just a matter of uh, you know keeping a differentiating uh, view of what the bikes are in one class versus the other. We didn't want to confuse people. No, and that and, and it made perfect sense. Bike. It made perfect sense that rule change uh, beyond. I mean, and it really was just bodywork, right, Chris? I'm sure it's you could speak to it. The motorcycles uh, essentially the same. It's got a little bit different gas tank in there. Well, Chris, off of the flat track topic, uh, I'm curious, as I know our listeners are, have you been doing anything or has there been enough time in your life to have any involvement in what we know you've done in the past? And we didn't mention that being one of the fastest men on two wheels on the planet. Um, You've ridden uh, Bonneville in the past and was wondering if you've got any involvement with that going forward. 
Uh, not currently. Um, I've, I've had a, a few injuries uh, over the last two years uh, since I've last been out, uh, but nobody's come um, and, and decided to write a nice big check because I have to be honest with you, I'm not interested in going uh, almost 400 miles an hour without getting paid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I wouldn't imagine anybody would be other than the young guys. Uh, and, and currently right now, to be honest with you, with my job, I don't, I don't really have time for that. I really don't. I've looked at, I've, 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 I've entertained some, some uh, inquiries, but uh, to be honest with you, there's not just not enough time in the calendar for me to do that. I don't even have time to ride a flat track anymore. Oh, that's that is sad to hear. Speaking of uh, JD Beach, he's run a couple events this year with your uh, with your series, and God, we love watching him flat track. Is there a lot of I mean, does that do anything for the series in your mind to have uh, racers crossing over from any other disciplines? I mean, not just road racing. Well, I mean, Sipes, I think, was huge for flat track. Yeah. I don't know if, and maybe yeah. I'm biased because I'm a Sipes fan, but I think it was awesome. Well, I look at it this way. You know, J.D. Beach is one of those riders that grew up flat tracking and got the road racing bug at, a, at you know at the age of 16 and had, an, had some opportunities presented to him. And he's been out to go out and uh, been able to go out and, and, and make a living road racing motorcycles here uh, specifically in the United States. Um, I don't know what his road racing trajectory is from this point on, but he's at the age right now where he's certainly capable of coming back as he has proven and being competitive in the American flat track environment. And we would encourage that. Um, there's been a dynamic shift in, in racing in the last uh, few years. Um, uh, the, the investments in road racing in America aren't what they were, and uh, um, the investments that have been made recently in flat track have increased significantly. I think it's, uh, it's great for the sport of flat track that a kid like J.D. Beach has an option. Um, he can come back and make a living flat track, and I think he would – slot right in uh, and be a, a top 10 guy, potentially top five week in and week out if he chose to do so. And I think now is uh, a time that uh, is more right for him to have that option realistically. Yeah, and he's not the only one. Danny Aslick bears mention as well. He's come out and raced a few too. Yes, they have. Our guest has been Chris Carr. You're listening to Pit Pass Radio live from the Iowa State Fair at the Cattleman's Beef Quarters. Chris Carr, you're my hero. You, you will always be my hero, and I really appreciate you uh, being our regular guest over the years. You're the, you're the man, dude. I appreciate you guys having me once again, and uh, enjoy the fair, folks. Oh, yeah. Thanks, That's Chris. my favorite place to be. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, there'll be more Pit Pass. Stay tuned. Bruce Martin, host of Pit Pass Indy. Each week, I go behind the scenes of the NTT IndyCar Series and introduce our listeners to the biggest stars of IndyCar, which features the Indianapolis 500 as its cornerstone event. The men and women that compete in IndyCar may be the bravest athletes in all of sport as danger lurks around every corner. They are able to look danger in the eye without flinching. That is why the NTT IndyCar Series features the best racing on the planet. Join me every week as we talk to the stars of IndyCar, including the legends of the Indianapolis 500 on Pit Pass Indy from Evergreen Podcast. <laughs> 